Cable Smith welcoming everybody into episode 18 of Justified Pursuit. It is great to be here. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I'm here as always with my good friend and co-host Chisholm Cook. Chisholm, how in the world are you, man? I'm doing well. I'm doing quite well, buddy. I've got uh, a new perspective on life that I look forward to sharing a little bit. Um, But I think you had a hunting story you wanted to start off with before we get to that yeah 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 just uh a little justified pursuit of my own this past week and you know for most of the state um buck season is coming gone. we have late season doe and and spike seasons uh and and for my deer lease in in north texas um that's what we have going on i took a buddy a singer songwriter zane williams um y'all probably have uh, heard some of his music on this show certainly on uh, my other show over the years, but a, a longtime friend of mine and someone who I've taken hunting quite a few times over the years, uh, a lot of failed trips, to be frank. I think he's kind of like a bad luck charm. He'll even admit that. Uh, but he wanted to shoot his first whitetail. So I took him out to the uh, deer lease to shoot a doe. And, oh, dude, I mean, I was essentially the guide here. And I watched this, what I thought was a doe for a long time and could, I just never could see the little nubs on his head. So he shoots this, uh, you know, doe, what, what we thought was a doe. And, uh, we get up there and it's just a little nubbin buck. And I was like, dang it, you know, uh, totally my fault. I told him to shoot it. Uh, but the thing, you know, that, that happens in certainly in a lot of situations, uh, with, with yearling bucks, I'm sure you've seen it personally on, on your places and, uh, there's really no, there's really no downside to it. It was a legal deer. It was his first deer. He was happy to to shoot it, but um, just one of those things that happens sometimes. Yeah, it happened. There's to really me. no point to the story. I just this is what I've been up to this week. <laughs> right. No, it happened to me last year. Uh, it wasn't. Uh, it was. It was still you know regular season. But as far as misidentifying uh, my daughter's first buck, my oldest, um, you know. I've got a 12 year old and a 10 year old. They were 11 and nine, obviously last hunting season. And they'd been shooting for probably four or five years at that point. They had, uh-huh. you know, started out with a 22 and then did that for a few years. And then I got them shooting their mom's old 22, 250. And unlike all the boys uh, that I know, my friend's sons, and certainly remembering as a kid, shooting how many no who knows how many rounds particularly of 22 out of my old marlin automatic uh they weren't like just obsessed with shooting so it was always kind of like y'all want to shoot yeah okay yeah we'll shoot you know it, i kind of just let them come to it but anyway <laughs> last year I, I had been telling them for like two seasons if when y'all can get five rounds in like a you know a baseball size group at 50 we'll you know then you can hunt something. And my plan with them is to try to just go in order, right? Mm-hmm. It seems the easiest and fairest. Big sister gets to shoot first, second sister gets to shoot second, third, you know, on down. Uh, well, <laughs> my 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 nine year old at the time, Charlotte, she goes and sits with sits a blind with Pop, her grandpa, last December probably. And next thing you know, they're coming home with a doe. <laughs> oh yeah. And so <laughs> we had to stay at the ranch an extra night uh, to make sure that big sister got her something before we went home. And so <laughs> Ashley, I remember had to, she actually had to go home for something. So she took their two little sisters 
Emily and Sarah home. And so it was just me and Riley and Charlotte. And because of that, your dad, uh, yeah, no dad was gone. Everybody left me. It was just me and those two. You, this, the same dad, uh, that I'm yeah, four star dad that gave us four stars right. yeah, on, yeah, yeah. on Apple podcasts to go along with all of the other five star reviews. <laughs> right. That guy. <laughs> um, he, uh, so he, yeah, they, 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 yeah, exactly. They, they left and uh, I was there just with the girls. And so kind of limited, I'll be honest, we were going to shoot a doe off the camp feeder. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it's like, it's, it's in the, it's in the last 30 minutes of light. It wasn't last light yet, but it was, it was at, you know, it was at or after sundown and uh, something comes out all by itself. Looked to be a full grown deer. Didn't, I just think I threw my glasses up for a second and I was like, cool, whack it. She shoots it. It runs off. And, uh, man, you know, those 22 250s are way more effective than I used to give them credit for, but they do not leave a blood trail. Uh, so it took me into well into dark 30 searching for it. In fact, I know she Ashley had left Sarah, my six year old with me. So that's part of why we didn't go sit a blind. Mm -hmm. And also why I had, had to go take them back to the trailer and then go out looking by myself and just happened to walk on down the right trail and stumble on it and uh darned if it wasn't uh you know a year a, a nubbin it wasn't a yearling it was you know at that point in the season a nubbing that had inch and a half or two inch spikes you know mm -hmm. and it was i mean i think i <laughs> if i had tried i could have grabbed it by both legs and just lifted it with one one arm it was <laughs> like a pretty good sized dog i was like oh rats but it didn't matter she was stoked <laughs> my biggest concern was dad yeah, uh, I may have mentioned it before, but uh, he and I have had some epic debates about White tail management and how many deer we have and all, yeah, all that stuff. And uh, I definitely and I don't want to shoot an oven. Nobody wants to shoot an oven, you know, and uh, I just felt like an idiot for green lightener, knowing better than to you know, shoot a lone deer by itself that time of year without giving it a good, good, hard look. And when I told him, he was like, oh, don't even don't you let her think for one second. <laughs> there's anything wrong with that. No problem. We got plenty of deer. I was like, right. I agree. Right. Okay. So anyway, we've well, all. I, yeah. And I couldn't blame Zane because I was the one that was like, hey, yeah, shoot that deer. So, yeah. Uh, anyway, that's it. Well, I will say this. A nubbin buck probably going to be pretty damn tender. So silver. Yeah, it was delicious. There. <laughs> it was delicious. And man, yeah. and that, you know, I tell you what, my girls, one thing that, um, getting them into that stuff so early you know then they were around the cleaning station when they were four or five years old you know and uh -huh. like like your kids you know eating dove hearts since they were three and stuff like they know where meat comes from man and uh and they love eating meat so them the pride they take every time i cook up some of the venison they harvested i i don't ever have to shoot anything the rest of my life like it's i'm at that point that I think every uh, every dad gets to where I'm um, passing that family business on to them. It's cool, but they just they love it, man. When I thought if I thought a package out now, since they both have venison in the freezer, they're like, "Was it mine? Was it mine? No, oh, right? Mine? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's cool. Yeah, well, you know, fortunately for me, while, while I do feel that way about like, and I know that my triggered time is certainly on the the downhill side when it comes to you know having kids. But uh, I do get to call hunting a, a job still in my uh, daily life, and so I don't I don't feel like I'll ever get to that point as long as I'm I'm doing that for a living. Uh, so, and I don't think I'll ever get tired of it either. 
Um, yep. But I do take more pleasure in watching Henry harvest. You know, he shot his first white till doe this year. Not a nubbin buck. I, you know, I, was, I got that one right. Uh, <laughs> nice. So, yeah. Uh, but anyway, we've got a lot to get into. And I think it's just going to be like a, a scatter shooting episode. There's not one huge thing that we're going to spend a lot of time on. Um, let's start with the most obvious, the impeachment deal. Um, I, I, I don't understand it. What Everyone wants to say, oh, Trump incited this riot. I, I watched it, you know, watched what he said multiple times. In, in my opinion, that's not what he did. Um, probably didn't, you know, help anything. But I, I don't think you can point the finger at him and say, he told these people to storm the Capitol. So there's grounds for in, impeachment. They've already won. And now they just want to rub it in our, our faces is kind of how I'm interpreting it. I, I, I think it's a horrible look. Just let him serve out his last five or six days, whatever it is. And let's all move on with our lives. McConnell yeah. said he's not going to have the Senate come in to even discuss it. So I, I think it's beating a dead horse. Um, you might. I mean, that's how I'm interpreting it. Dude, it's 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 next Wednesday. Yeah, you know, it's over. I I'll say my thoughts on this, and then I kind of want to take it in a related but a little bit different direction. Okay, I'm moving on. Yeah, I'm over Trump. Um, I, I hope that the country gets over Trump soon. I'm concerned that he'll be used as a cudgel to uh, possibly bludgeon <laughs> certain people for some time. Um, but, but, but I, I, I'm moving on. I, I don't disagree. I, I've seen the words that he said. Um, he, he didn't call for siege. Um, but you know, he is responsible as we talked about for making a whole bunch of accusations that he couldn't back up and working people into a frenzy. And, um, well, let me, let me, let me get to like I said, kind of where, where I wanted to go with this. We've said before, obviously, we're both men of faith, we're both Christians, that we would n not do a whole lot of preaching on this podcast. Um, I'm never going to shy away from my faith, and when I feel the need to share something, I'm going to. Uh, and I hope that uh, even if you're not a believer, you can hear these words and take some wisdom from them. Uh, listeners, I mean, I know Cable's going to. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'll read it first and then I'll tell how, how it, uh, how it's changed my perspective on things. Matthew five, 43 through 48. This is from the new international version. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and on the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you, not, if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Hmm. So, <clears throat> last Tuesday, the Republicans lost the Senate. And we've already talked on the show about how, you know, you were anxious about it, to say the least. Every Republican, conservative, middle of the road person in the country was. Um, 
I woke up with Joshua 1.9, which tells us to not be afraid uh, and not be discouraged, but be strong and courageous because the Lord our God is with us always. And I sent you that, and we talked about reasons to be optimistic. Um, our, new, uh, our new hero, Joe Manchin, hopefully hero, and other reasons. Texans for Manchin. Amen. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, then we know what happened on Wednesday. We know how the world reacted. We all have our opinions about it. Um, Thursday night, things kind of came to a head for me, uh, particularly that late that afternoon when, you know, I had subscribed to Parler, had us a justified pursuit account on it. And all of a sudden, my phone feed is blowing up with people on Parler freaking out because big tech's going to erase them from the from from the internet and the initial claims were you know apple's going to take us off your phones and well little... they did win because i'm i just clicked on parlor right now and it's not going to parlor so i know that yeah. i'm not saying that didn't happen mm. but, but walk let me let me walk through what how it was how it evolved so that was like i said that was like thursday night everybody was blaming parlor as you know sort of the rallying spot for this government you know this seditious act i guess and um you know when you started diving into it which i did and i dude, it, it made me so anxious i'll be honest man the initial impression made me so concerned that i really was that plus everything we've talked about with leftism and all of our concerns about the communists and everything like i i was like oh my god are we really at a point now where where you know people are being shut down uh from the ability to communicate for their because of their viewpoints right mm -hmm. um apple's take was y'all don't comply with our restrictions or, or you know our policies with regard to you know violence and hate speech and parlor's response their ceo was saying yeah we do yeah we do yeah we do but in interestingly if you if you really paid attention apple gave them like a day and a half or almost two days of of negotiation before they took them initially just off the app store they didn't like delete it from your phone maybe they did ultimately uh, i i deleted parlor and i'll get to why but, but what they did was take them off the app store and then the next thing i know they're you know parlor explaining well we, we actually have a web version here's a workaround go on safari if you're if you're an iphone user and Go to the parlor parlor.com website and log in, hit, you know, save my login, and then take that web page and save it to your desk to your to your home screen. And now you've basically got the parlor app. It's just not an app. It's yeah. like, okay, so there's a workaround. Then Google takes them down, and we get to the day of reckoning with Apple, you know, the day they're supposed to take them down. But the whole time they're they've, you know, Parlor is acknowledging that Apple is just demanding that they make some changes and to their policies and more importantly enforce them differently right that they, mm -hmm. they didn't feel they were enforcing these things then the kind of real shockwave hits that amazon web services so maybe a lot of people may not know but amazon isn't just the company that sends you the crap you order online in the mail apparently their largest revenue stream is hosting big data hosting big tech so if you had you know, a website that had a whole bunch of traffic and a whole bunch of data you were accumulating, you could pay Amazon to store it in the cloud instead of having to buy a server, right? It's way cheaper. Um, all of a sudden, Amazon's going to take them, delete them. It's like them. I use GoDaddy. There you go. 
and and actually bob parsons their ceo is a big uh big hunter so that's why i chose them nice yep uh they definitely had some un, un pc ads back in the day <laughs> and i'm okay with that yeah me too uh but i'm not okay with shit about your feelings <laughs> yeah I, i'm with you but you know what i'm not okay with with people going online and threatening to cut people's heads off and all kinds of psychotic stuff. And I can tell you, you mean like that redheaded comedian lady that talked about, or that held up a headless version of Donald Trump. What was her name? Uh, she didn't get canceled though. Right. Um, it's on the tip of my tongue, but I can't think of it. I know who you're talking about. She's real annoying looking and acting. Right. And yeah. yeah, that one. Uh, so before I get any further, thanks for stopping for that point. I will say I'm not going to sit here and claim that these tech companies are being unbiased or consistent in their application of their rules. We all know you can go on Twitter right now and you can find thousands of blue check mark left-leaning people, you know, saying things like death to Israel. Uh, you know, well, you could uh, just take Jamel Hill, former ESPN analyst right. who, I mean, clearly, right. clearly hates white people and she hadn't been canceled. So she's I got agree. a blue check mark. Yeah. It is not it is not consistent. No doubt about it. But again, just sort of roll with me for a second. I personally have seen vile ridiculousness on parlor. Nasty hostile talk of, you know, of revolution, of violence, of, you know, burning, etc. Again, and I know that happens on Twitter if it's, you know, if it's for the right cause, they let it go and if it's for what they perceive to be the wrong cause, they don't. That's a whole separate sort of point not worth not not one that's not worth exploring but, but it's not the point i'm making getting back to amazon so they hosted the entire parlor app and all of its content everything that they're they're accumulating from a data perspective and so amazon comes out i think on like saturday morning or maybe even friday evening and says that by i think it was going to be like sunday night slash monday morning at midnight uh they'd be deleted from amazon and that's like whoa that now they've trash their asset right mm -hmm. wow that's yeah it's massive but then i started thinking about it and i was like well hell they get 48 hours notice and so it's the next thing of time dude you, i think you're coming at it like that's plenty of time i'm like you should give them like a month we i mean like weeks at least that's absurd this is a huge app where conservatives who have felt jilted by twitter facebook instagram big tech have gone to basically not be censored. So, so is, they said, Hey, you can't be, we don't want you on, on ours. So they go make their own. And they're like, well, actually uh, you, you're backed up on our server and now you can't even have that. So F you. And that's the end of it. That's how I'm, I mean, that's how you're, I mean, you're going in a direction that, uh, you know, I think is respectable, but the general American population looks at this as just egregious. Okay. Well, at least hear me out. Let me ask All you, right. and this is something I should have checked, but like I said, I did delete Parler, so now I don't know where it stands. Yeah. Is the app up? I, no, I just tried to click on it as we were speaking, and it's just a blank, you know, you get an error page, an error message. So, no, there is no Parler. Not not from your phone, anyway. I, I guess is maybe the website is up. I don't know. But I don't want to have to go to a website. It's just that's, you know, that's inconvenient. So. Well, I'm Googling it. It looks like there's a lawsuit going on. Uh, maybe they are still dark. Either way. 
so so they gave him two days notice and I'm seeing them saying on there, it will take us roughly a week to get ourselves back online. And I was like, okay, so they've got some way of, of correcting it. Mm-hmm. And then on late Sunday evening, I saw a link from the guy, John Matz, the CEO, Matza, Matz, M-A-T-Z-E, saying that they would be back up the next, by noon the next day that they were switching over to a server based out of Florida. I have since had conversations with a tech company um, that explained that they are not that that no that no such company no such app would not have all of that stuff backed up somehow somewhere else, especially um, in today's climate. In any climate, right? They wouldn't be beholden to Amazon for their right. entire intellectual property, right? Yeah. Um, and that was in line with what they were saying that they'd be back up and back up and online. Like I said, in a second, I'm going to try to figure out if they're still up, but my point is just that all those companies did give them a heads up and, and an opportunity to cure these defects. They claim that they had in their policies. And then, you know, I, I can attest to personally having seen some of the most vile stuff said on there that, you know, I've, I've seen in years on the internet, it, you know, since the kind of wild West was reined in some. Um, so I, I guess what I'm saying is, first of all, a couple, three days to fix it. I don't know if it's, I don't know that it's totally unreasonable as opposed to what it made it sound like Thursday night, which was Google play, Amazon and Apple. were going to, you know, to collude to delete them and cover it like had they done that right if if, if parlor had just vanished and nobody had been getting been given a heads up i'd be singing a different tune today but they did have notice it was a massive disruption granted it's hypocrisy stipulated but but they gave them a heads up and at the end of the day though dude this claim about free speech people need to understand that the constitution of the united states of america and particularly the first amendment there too does not protect any of us from restraint on speech applied by a private enterprise. It, it only applies to government restraint on our speech. Yeah, but I will come at you from this angle that, that Twitter and Facebook, uh, nah, maybe not so much Instagram because it's more picture-oriented, but they're no longer social media platforms. They're news publishing outlets. and They're, they're behemoths. Agreed. They're controlling but, the flow of information. So that, that to me, doesn't hold up anymore. Plus, they've, it got it mono- they've got it monopolized because when there's competition, they come in and say, okay, you name the, the millions or billions, we'll write the check, and we'll absorb you, and then that'll be that. So they, it's just like when they broke up the telephone companies. I mean, it's a monopoly. It needs to be dealt with, in my opinion, in the same manner because of their decision to control the flow of information what they want out there they will make sure is out there what they don't they will censor and to me that is a violation of the first amendment private company or not um if and until because people consume their their people get their news now from social media just as much as they do from traditional news outlets and that's the reality that we're looking at there's so many conversations here 
that are all threaded together that um, I'm not sure we're going to be able to cover all of them today. So this might be a two-parter. I hear everything you just said, and I don't disagree with on it on with the premise that uh, to what you're getting at that these companies have become megaliths um much like you said like you know great analogy to the telephone companies and and therefore should be regulated in a different way problem is they're not yet so as it stands everything i said about the constitution and the first amendment is the law of the land of the united states at this moment sure it should be addressed you're correct um, I'm hoping well, and that it I is. think everyone's fear is that now, since conservatives lost everything, it will never be addressed. It may be a while. They will get. They will only get stronger over the next four years, two two years for sure. Uh, and they but, will be more emboldened. And you know, you and I could wake up tomorrow and justified pursuit just be canceled. Like we'll have no place to go. And that's that is a very real possibility. You're conservative. You're pointing out truth. And you're pointing out the fallacies in our message messaging. Now you're canceled. So there could happen, dude. So so it is still while these are while these are behemoths in this space, it is still absolutely possible to put your content, your thoughts, your ideas, and information online without having to work through those big tech companies in Silicon Valley. I talk a fair bit about. Um, uh, the podcast that I found through Mo, even though they came first, uh, no agenda, mm -hmm. the, the podcast, I got Adam Curry from MTV and, uh, uh, John C. Dvorak do they, since day one have set themselves up with their own independent servers, everything that they host, they have full control over. They're dependent on nobody. In fact, they don't even advertise on their show. Their money is solely made by, people paying them through, you know, basically through their website in a donation fashion in a model they call value for value. If you like our show, it's free. Listen to it. If you like it enough, kick us 20 bucks, 50 bucks, a hundred bucks. And then they incentivize it by reading you online like they've done for me twice. Right? So mm -hmm. my point is they're not beholden to that crap at all. We don't have to be beholden that, but to that crap at all. In fact, I don't, I don't, I don't think we are. I, I guess I should know where exactly our stuff's hosted, but everything we put out there is available online. Nobody has to listen to us Chism, through this Chism. app. It's hosted through GoDaddy, so you're good. There you go. Okay, so we've already circumvented that. We could get taken off of the App Store, but that hasn't happened to anybody yet. And there's some crazy ass not the App Store, but the you know the iTunes like podcast you know app <clears throat> but they haven't done that to anybody. And there's some crazy shit being talked about on podcasts. Uh, I don't know what they think the difference is, whatever. My point is, this is still a free market economy. Somebody will step up and fill the void that Amazon created if they start deplatforming, deplatforming, quote, conservative outlets. I'm telling you, I was on the dang thing. It was nasty. And all it got. I guess I never waded into that. I just kind dude. of posted my you know basically just took what i was already doing on my other platforms and threw it up there and then i just went on with my life so i didn't wade through all of that uh right new show that that you're saying you saw i, I believe you i mean absolutely yeah, but it I was there believe it's the same as it is you know on facebook and and twitter it was there and it only got uglier and uh, let me let me kind of get back to matthew chapter five real quick and then i'll 
kind of circle back around to this. So, so on Saturday, I think Friday night or Saturday night, all this, no, no, it was Thursday night that I read it. So Thursday night I went to, I, I, I was like almost having like a out of body experience. I was so paranoid about the, you know, this, this Chinese communist takeover of, you know, American Liberty through the deletion of an app that honestly caused me nothing but headache anyway. And I reached a point and there's several other things that over time, maybe we'll get into that kind of brought me here where I, I started to realize, you know, we, we, well, we talked about how, okay, we made all, there were all these, we, Trump made all these claims about fraud, but yet didn't back any of them up with evidence in court. And in many cases, didn't even allege fraud in court, right? Rudy Giuliani, there's a famous video of him in court in Pennsylvania saying, we're not here alleging fraud, mm-hmm. right? But they would go on television and make all kinds of wild ass claims, right? Right. Nothing. And this is some of the stuff that the conservatives that I listened to that are, that were, you know, n- I'll say I got frustrated with them because they weren't down for the cause enough because I had gotten hoodwinked to an extent uh, and started and started and started ignoring my own principles, which I had stuck to for the first three years of this experiment. They were saying that, you know, they're, they're saying things in the media. They're not willing to put their name behind in court. That should tell y'all something, right? right. That's got to tell y'all something. That doesn't change the strangeness of six-figure jumps and all the other anomalies out there, which we've covered. Um, but it is a problem. Either they get did such a great job covering it up that we got no way to prove it, or maybe there was more smoke and not, you know, not a real big flame underneath it, right? And so, so much like Trump was making, you know, those claims. Um, he was, he was driving people basically insane with that, myself included. Um, meanwhile, we documented throughout the course of this podcast, how we would watch something happen. And then within hours, if not days, we would hear more left-leaning news organizations, you know, change the story, pretend it didn't happen. You know, we've talked a lot about 1984, the rewriting of history. We were seeing it in real time to the point where it was driving me completely mad. And basically that night I I had this sort of point where I was so worked up over it. I had to, I had to calm myself down and I did some praying and I decided, and I told my wife this, I don't know what's true or false in the world anymore. All I know is God and my family. And I'm going to do the best I can to reorient my life on those two things and stop worrying, panicking, not stop paying attention, because I think we all need to pay attention, right? I'm not going to stop fighting bad ideas, but I'm going to stop obsessing over this, right? Because they're all lying to me, right? When you look at the way that the, that the reaction to the, the siege occurred, and you know, we've seen videos of a police opening the gates, right? And then we see people walking around somewhat peacefully inside, yet being then, then we're told that it's, you know, the m- most devastating act in the history of time, which it clearly wasn't, in my opinion, what they did in Seattle was way worse. So it's just an example I'm trying to offer of, of that constant sort of like this thing happens. Yeah. Yep. Right. For, again, again, from all sides with that, particularly the police letting these people in, you had 
the left jumping on and saying, see, the police are racist. They, they're down with Donald Trump. That's why they did it. And then you had the right saying maybe they were told to let maybe the effing police have just gotten to the point where they know they're neutered. And if they pull their gun and shoot someone, they're going to jail. And if if they don't just get out of the way, then they're going to get the shit beat out of them. With my no point recourse. is just my point is just that we had several hundred thousand people in D.C. They knew they were coming. We had both houses of Congress together voting on the, you know, counting electors for the next president of the United States. And these people were allowed to just walk in during the proceeding. That on its face seems extraordinarily odd to me. And it leaves me with questions, much like the way the news portrayed the counting of votes on election night left everybody with questions. I want to come back to that. I went to bed that night and committed myself to God and my family those are the only things I know are true. By true, I mean real and important enough to fight and die for. Okay. So I, I put my six-year-old to bed and I always read to her. And some nights I read for like a one minute, like a half-assed jerk. And then I'm out. Other nights I do better. Right. That night I said, I'm going to, I'm just going to keep reading. Right. So what do, what do you want to read, sweetie? And she's like, let's read the Bible. And I was like, that is perfect let's read the bible so i get her children's bible out and we're kind of thumbing through it and she sees a it's got like maybe every book or so has got like a big colorful you know photographic kind of page in it uh -huh. she sees what she you know she sees what she thinks is baby jesus she's like let's read about baby jesus again because uh it's still it was christmas just the other day and i was like awesome perfect and so i stopped just i got that went i happened to be right there in matthew and so i kind of got to the you know the birth story and I started reading and because I was going to spend some time with her and try to take my mind off of it. I kept reading until I got to the passage that I just read where God tells us to love your enemy. And it felt like he was hitting me on the head with a hammer with it mm. because I realized that I had let myself get drug into hating people that I disagree with. And furthermore, thinking that they wanted to destroy this country. I'm not sitting here now claiming that there aren't some of those. There are. But it's not the majority. Well, dude, it doesn't and matter not to me because they're the elected ones that are doing it. We just talked about it last week. You can't say father, mother, brother, sister in Congress anymore. So I don't I don't sit here sit here. I don't see how you can sit here and say that, to be frank. I, I, I respect the fact that you are kind of just saying it's out of my control. But if it was really if you really believe that, why would we be doing this podcast? Well, I'll go back to. I'll go I don't back think to, you believe that, or we wouldn't be sitting here having these conversations, hoping that people are listening and understanding that wokeism is evil. You're right. I'm not saying wokeism is not uh, evil. There's a battle but, of but good what, and evil going on, and evil that's is right. Winning. What I realized was humans are just a vessel, they're just an antenna. I have come full circle on exactly what you just said in the course of this year. If you had asked me a year ago if I believed in concepts like demonic possession, I would have said, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't think so, maybe. I, I, don't, I wouldn't have dismissed it out of hand because I've always been a spiritual person. But having been raised in a secular you know, Western society based on, quote, logic and reason and thinking of myself as a logic and reason-oriented person, 
I think I would have defaulted to like nature versus nurture, real world type stuff. Like, yeah, the kid, you know, it's probably somebody with a genetic condition that would do something atrocious, like shoot up a school, or it was probably somebody who was abused, right? That has led them down this life of seeing the world in terms of oppression and now wanting to turn the tables over uh, in a Marxist revolution, right? Like, I would have probably found a lot of, a lot of secular places to place that blame. And you're right. Now I realize what it is, is people who have abandoned God and abandoned scripture, leaving a void in their soul for Satan to come in and do his work. So I don't disagree. There are many of those people in Congress, many of them, and they are still steering this country in the wrong direction, and we have to fight it. But I refuse to hate them as people for it. I am called them. Well, okay, but I'm telling you, I had, I'm just trying to tell you what I worked through, man. I had gotten to the point late last year where all I saw everywhere, everywhere was communists trying to destroy us. And I was, I was, I had no love for them. I'll put it that way. None. And all I'm saying is that verse reminded me I'm supposed to love even my enemy. And I'm resetting my frame of mind from there. Because I think the only way we can get out of this is if we're willing to love each other. The main point for me is that for this podcast is we do this fairly frequently. We, well, we're doing it right now. We're debating, right? Right. Bouncing the other side's best ideas off of each other, best arguments off of each other, right? And, it's, and attacking those. But to, to your point, dude, I, I still undeniably believe that a third trimester abortion is an act of evil and that when they passed it in new york city is un completely unchecked and unregulated and their assembly cheered wildly for that that was satan at work but i still have to love those people and find a way to reach them and i can't do that if i hate them i can't so get let's get back for a second to tech and how we got here and to the trump role in this if you go back to when sort of Fox was founded, they were supposed to be founded as the answer to what was very, you know, legitimately perceived as left-leaning media, particularly on cable. At that point, we split reality in two. Ever since 98 or 99, when Fox hit the news, whenever it was in the 90s, we now had two realities people could turn to, to think they were being told what was going on. That drove a split. We need to do, I finally watched The Social Dilemma. I, want, I don't want to get too far down that since you haven't seen it, but they show this graphic that is like public polling over time. It's a fantastic film, man. It has its own biases without question, but generally speaking, I think it paints this picture. It paints a picture that I was already, I knew already, if that makes sense. Uh-huh. So they, pay, they have this graphic at this part at this moment where they, they show exactly what I'm about to ex- describe graphically in terms of polling. And they show like two bell curves, a red one and a blue one that mostly overlapped in say like 95. Right. And then with cable news, you see them sort of separate. And then because of nine 11, they merge back together and then they start to separate again. And then when social media hits in 2007, they almost don't overlap at all. The point of cable news is not to tell us what is true. It's to keep us watching their damn station. And that is all there is to it. 
they are businesses. And the more eyeballs that are watching them, the more money they make. Period. So they feed you what you th they think their core constituency generally wants to hear to be reinforced to know they're right and righteous, both directions, right? But at that time, it was pretty easy. I used to just go online and read four different articles about the same thing and feel like I could parse truth from that, right? Mm -hmm. That wasn't that unmanageable. But then social media hit, dude, and their whole intent, their whole business model, their AI learning machines and their algorithms are designed to feed content to you that will keep you scrolling forever. And they make the point in that movie, the AI doesn't give a damn what true is. All it cares about is you staying and playing with your phone. So those cable news outlets, their goal was to keep your eyeballs on their screen. It all comes back to these screens. Social media's goal is to keep you staring at that screen. But social media took that split reality and ramped, ramped it beyond 11. Because now instead of just two realities that we have to try to figure out what is true from, we literally have 7 billion. Because each person that's on that device is getting a bespoke, custom-tailored reality. They say in that thing, dude, that those algorithms generally, on maybe they pointed to Facebook in particular, Facebook yeah. and Twitter, that they feed around six times more fake news than real news. Now you could dive in and say, well, what does that even mean? But I can tell you that my own feeds, if you go down one conspiracy theory rabbit hole, you've lost touch with reality. All you get, they use Pizzagate as an example, dude. And hey, we all know that Jeffrey Epstein was real. So I'm mm -hmm. not, uh, but, but apparently what was claimed about that pizza parlor wasn't happening, right? But the point is, they are manipulating your brain to keep you there. And whatever you show your desire, whatever you show captures your attention, that's what they're going to give you, right? You can just Google something and see how, you know, if you're on the Google News tab and you look at certain types of news, that's all you end up getting. You have to search for something outside of this echo chamber you've now put yourself in, right? So you right. see this, you see these charts go completely split at that point. And that's where we are today. And getting back to Trump, which they also why I think it's a horrible idea for them to say, okay, conservatives go to parlor, everyone else, y'all stay over here. I agree. Uh, and, 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 and it's like, and, and I was talking I to uh, Zane the other day when, when I was letting him shoot that nubbin buck. Uh, and I said, here's the problem. Martin Luther King Jr. was against separate but equal. Separate water fountains. Uh, blacks go to the back of the bus. I think everyone should be against that, right? But here we are in 2021, and we're trying to have separate but equal social media platforms. How can we have a healthy discussion and uh, discourse of differing opinions and ideas if one side's over here and the other side's over there, and all we are doing is talking negatively about the other side? But that's what, the, that's what will end up happening. I, I agree. And I'll say this to that point, I, I expect it to get worse before it gets better. Mm -hmm. um, 
all I'm doing is trying to logically assess what's going on. I'm not defending, I'm, I'm not defending what Amazon did or Facebook did or the notion that there should be a conservative version of Twitter and a liberal version of Twitter and that never the twain shall meet. It's horribly, horribly broken and it's gotten worse. All I'm saying is they did get notice, although I'm looking, I was looking online and they're not back up online and they're saying it's going to take a while before they figure their shit out. So it was more crippling than I realized. They were claiming they'd be up on Monday at noon. Let's side, let's just set that aside. You're right. What I'm saying is we have to come back together. Social media, and they, again, they make this point on the social dilemma that, you know, we're here talking about the evils that have arisen from this, but we're, you know, there, there's been a lot of good done by social media. Family members have been reunited. Long lost friends have been reunited, right? When we all got on Facebook, it was the coolest thing in the world. Look what we can do. We can talk to anybody in the world at any given time. It's amazing, right? Mm-hmm. But now it's evolved into something toxic where the, the bad is starting to outweigh the good. I mean, they admit they're able to manipulate elections and dictators are able to manipulate elections they basically admit they're the ones that created this whole damn situation in the first place right so i guess if i had my druthers everybody would delete that shit themselves and not wait for freaking uh apple to do it right but i also understand that's not where we are yet they stress the need for discipline of that thing man it becomes let's take it back to faith an idol these apps have become an idol, man. Television can become an idol. Anything that takes you that far away from God and your family into worlds that are so far out of your control are biblically sinful and problem problematic, right? They some people was it's the uh, golden calf of Baal. I think it was the the god uh, Baal. Yes, yes, uh, but I like I like an I like Israelite's head, kind of, I guess taken up the god of their oppressors and were right. you know mm-hmm. essentially worshiping a golden calf instead of yahweh exactly i liken it more in general all of this tech stuff to uh the tower of babel mm-hmm. we have i mean uh, building a tower is a form of technology it requires multiple forms of technology to achieve right right and and people you know the, the story goes that they deliberately built a tower so tall they could basically be god's equal and once they got too close he smited them down and cast them to the wind and you know scattered all their languages so that nobody could communicate and pull that off again we're living in the tower of babel man tech across the board not just social media but you know crispr and other like genetic mutation type stuff dude they're they're they can clone a human being now i don't know if anybody's doing it they allege China's doing it. I don't know. That sort of thing, if it's not happening, is like within our lifetime, man. Mm-hmm. And their goal. So Ted in, Williams is going to get his wish. His, he's uh, going to get his wish. Cryogenically frozen dome is going to. They're going to be able to use that to make a a, a new, new Ted badass yeah. baseball player. Right. And I wonder if he'll still be. That would be a great experiment. Would athletes from the 1940s be able to hit 400 in 20? 21 or 2030 i don't know i'd love to find out (laughs) we might if i had to bet i would say yes i would think that he that ted williams would still be as bad a hitter in modern day as he was if he was 
groomed and raised in the modern day. If you took him from then to now, he'd probably get worked, right? Mm -hmm. But you're a product of your environment. He was the best of his day. He had the skill set, the hand-eye coordination and all that. I think if he was raised, which was what would happen, they're not going to reattach his head to a new body. They're going to take the old ass head. Yeah, exactly. They're going to take the DNA from his head and recreate him, and he's going to be a whole new Ted, which yeah. is the same DNA, right? So that begs the question, is he even the same person? But it's way the F off topic from where I was going with all this. Yeah. It's interesting, though. Uh, they are trying in Silicon Valley actively and openly to create a synthesized reality whereby you never have to die because they can somehow upload your consciousness into the computer. What is more Tower of Babel than that kind of shit, right? Right. But so, so let me put a button on it or a bow on this by getting it back to Trump. So all of this division that we're talking about and the attacks on norms and the incredibly rapid revolution of society over the last, say, 20 years is what that and the fact that Hillary was the worst candidate in the history of time gave us Trump. Yeah. And I've said on this podcast, I couldn't bring myself to vote for him then. And I spent the next three years diligently pointing out the reasons why I could not fully support him. I could point out the good things that he did, much like the people in this movie pointed out the good things that social media provided. But I would call him for his crap. Ben Shapiro early on had a little bit in his podcast where he would play, he called it Good Trump, Bad Trump. And they even made a little jingle that went, Good Trump, Bad Trump, which one will we get today? Dun, dun. It was hilarious, right? And he would play a clip of Trump, you know, taking a policy position that he supported with regard to Israel. And then he would play a clip of Trump, you know, calling, you know, some lady, uh, you know, a, a dog face and, you know, Megyn Kelly bleeding from her, you know what, or whatever. Right. Mm -hmm. That's the right approach for anybody. It's what the left it's and it's in line with what we were saying last week, man. If you say that what you saw last Wednesday is the worst thing you've ever seen, then by God, admit that the lo looting and rioting component of what happened last summer is not good either, right? On that, I would say I have one position I'd like to moderate or modify there. The night of George Floyd's death, I have some yeah. level of grace for what happened in Minneapolis that night. There's a quote from Martin Luther King. I should have pulled it up before I got into that, but it's something to the effect of that, that riots are the, are the, are the language of the, dang it. What is it? He basically says that rioting is like the language of those without a voice or something like that. And yeah, this is Martin Luther King, who, as you said last week was the, the greatest of all time when it came to, what a peaceful protest should look like, look like and can achieve, right? Mm -hmm. But the point is, and, and I think many on the right certainly are holding this position right now, sometimes emotion is not only justified, but well, sometimes emotion is justified. And if you lose your mind over emotions that are justified, then sometimes shit gets rowdy, right? What I'll never, ever, ever concede is that the coordinated attacks for the next 100 days were justifiable, righteous, defensible. But, you know, if something atrocious happened, I'll put it to you this way. If somebody did something terrible to one of the members of your family, 
how many ways would you hurt that person? I mean, really them. terrible, right? Really terrible. All of them. I've thought about a time to right. kill that book. Uh, there John, you go, dude. Perfect example. I read um, that I've book. I've thought about that many times as a father. Like if someone raped my daughter, would I try to kill them? Uh, or would I practice what I preach and say, you know, the Bible tells us to forgive? Probably not. I'd probably try to kill them. I'll be honest with you. Uh, I don't know. Uh, thankfully, I, I don't think that will ever happen. I, you never know. But well, we certainly pray, dude. Right. But but you but you you follow where I'm saying. The night of the night that happened in Minneapolis, Minnesota, I will grant those people grace for losing their s because we all saw it and we all were equally disgusted by what we saw. I got my cousin's husband uh, texted me based on something I posted online where I mentioned the murder of George Floyd, and it was this. Uh, this this analysis of his uh, autopsies and the amount of fentanyl he had in his system and all this stuff and they are, you know, they're claiming he would have died anyway and I'm like I don't care dude a cop held him down by the throat he told him he couldn't breathe he kept holding him down by the throat until he died everybody saw it everybody knows it was terrible and it is the kind of thing that could incite a riot I'm not well, saying look where it got us yeah exactly I'm not saying writing okay here's the quote Martin Luther King said riots are the voice of the unheard so that's what people, I, even that, man, one of the things I saw on Parler right before I deleted it was somebody who had posted a collage of all of these articles defending, they looked like they were defending the riots and that was the point of the post. Well, I looked up every single article and honestly, all but like two were pretty reasonable articles about the history of riots, what causes them, what triggers them, et cetera, right? They weren't necessarily defending them as like perfectly righteous and justified last summer. But the headlines, for some dumbass reason, were written that way. And so all he had to do was post a picture of it, and it made you think, see, there's all these journalists defending the rights. It's not that we, it actually wasn't what they were doing in most of the cases. A couple, couple of them were, honestly. Again, I'm talking about the 24-hour period after that happened, and everything that happened after that, I would expect people who wanted to protest to use some level of of you know, uh, discipline, I guess, of, of concern for their, for their neighbors, concern for the business owners whom they're hurting that had nothing to do with it. Right. I'm just saying, well, so that was a tangent. So, so getting back to Trump, he gets into office because of this chasm that had been split between the left and the right in this evolution of screen consumption from cable news through to social media. And like I said, Call a spade a spade. I was calling the things he did right, right when I heard it, but generally condemning his approach, the way he spoke, etc. I felt like I could tell when he was lying to me and when he wasn't, and they all do that. Well, right? I felt like he was lying when he promised us vaccines by, you know, the end of, uh, by Christmas, and I'll be damned. Here they yeah, are. dude. Uh, I, I, you know, I'll, I'll continue to defend what he pulled in 20, what he managed in 2020, in what was undoubtedly an unmanageable situation. And, and part of my point is whether it's social media or, you know, we, we talked one time about this, this professor from Harvard who was, you know, taking a middle of the road position until she explained how we all have that uncle who's done bad things. And I was like, we've all done bad things, lady. Like, right. You always need to take to, 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 to look at the good and the bad. You can't, again, Martin Luther King, there's all sorts of allegations about stuff that he had done 
with regard to women and stuff that that are atrocious but nobody would ever say that he wasn't a crucial and important figure no different than taking down statues of george washington thomas jefferson and frankly even robert e lee who was crucial in the reconstruction right mm -hmm. take you have you, you have to look at all sides of things like the talk we had about that history guy uh the guy that uh uh, I can't think of his name. We talked about him during the 1984 podcast, the one who wrote the basically the book that claims Columbus was a vile rapist, right? And right. basically painted, painted America as nothing but that. And then that narrative took over and everybody forgets the good, right? That that's not, that's not good. And what gets you there is when you demonize your opponent, demonize everything they stand for, therefore you refuse to do anything but stand righteously on your side, no matter what your side does. So fast forward back to today and Trump has fed that machine. I had along this little spiritual journey I'm talking about when I was at the ranch over the, over in, you know, back in December, I'd, I think I mentioned, I took a friend of ours hunting for a few days and he's a man of faith. We had a great talk today, man, about where we are in our journey and some of the amazing things that's moving in his life right now. And he had sent me a, 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 a devotional. He does this devotional every morning from a guy named Jeff Wells. I'm pretty sure he's a pastor in the Houston area. Mm -hmm. And for whatever reason, dude, I didn't read it when he sent it to me. I, I, I saved it as a, you know, I, I left it unopened. Well, that's because my... life Chisholm gets in the way. And you no, honestly, and you dude, it's because did. God didn't, Dude, it, everything happens for a reason. I didn't read it because at the moment it would not have done for me what it did for me two weeks later. That's a good point. I swear to God, man. I know that now. I, in fact, when I first told somebody how it's funny, how I didn't, it, you know, it, it took me telling three people this before it hit me. Dude, the reason you didn't read it is because God knew you weren't ready for it yet. That's all there is to it, man. Because if I had read it at the time, who knows what I would have thought. But fast forward to where I was in this transition of, 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 of thing after thing after thing last week or the week before last night or whenever it was. I finally opened it uh, the morning after the Capitol siege. Mm -hmm. And it happened to be about deception. And well, what's how the name of the book? It's not a book. It's like a daily devotional that this pastor emails out. Oh, okay. So I, I can flip it to you. I can put it on the show notes too, but it, it's... It's, it's just a devotional. He gets it every morning from this guy named Jeff Wells. It's like, you know, he picks one or two passages and then he writes a little, I don't know, a few hundred words. It's not very long. takes five minutes to read, you know, just a way to start your day kind of thing. Sure. <clears throat> but it just happened to be about deception. So that morning before I had anybody in my house was up and I'd really started my day, I took a look at it. And like I said, that's what it was about. That, that Satan's like primary weapon is deception on all fronts. Every one of these issues that we talk about with leftism, uh, the ideal, the ideas that we fight against, all that, that that's all deception. It's, and, and getting back to the point about not considering people evil, they all have some justification for it that they believe in their mind is righteous and, and just, right? They think they're doing a favor to women when they legalize abortion. They think they're um, you know, fighting for equality when they, when they spout their Marxism, right? Mm -hmm. And and they're and they're and they're blinded by any other possibility, blinded blinded from any other possibility, right? 
Right. They're not willing. They're, they're not willing to hear us. And we reached a point in this four years where we're not willing to hear them. We're all just saying you're effing wrong. And I know it. Right. We're not willing to say when our side might be wrong. Right. Or when our leader might be wrong anymore. I reached the point in 2020 because of my hatred for leftism because of COVID-19 and my absolute despair. You know, disdain is hate, for the lockdowns. Is hate wrong, Chisholm? Yeah. I don't think it is. Not I, Hating another person is wrong, right? The Bible, the God tells us that's, well, that's right. just that's not Right, Christian. we're supposed to love. Hating a thing, like leftism, is not wrong. So I don't, I, you're no, apologizing no, yeah. for something that I don't think warrants an apology. I hate leftism. I despise it. I hear you. It's evil. You. It's vile. My kids are going to be indoctrinated with it, Lord willing. They won't be, but that's the way this world is trending, and I'm not okay with it. So I freaking hate leftism. So don't apologize for that. Well, I'm not necessarily apologizing for it. Uh, I hear what you're saying. What I'm saying is if your hatred for the idea forces you to hate the people, that's when you've really gone awry, and I don't think that's avoidable. I think it, particularly in modern society where if you slip yourself into an echo chamber, you get bombarded with that hate. Hate, man, I mean, you have to admit, hate breeds hate, man. It does. I agree. Right? So what I'm trying to do in my life... Well, you can say I hate pedophilia. Is, I mean, that's not, you know, I mean, you can well, hate things. It's right, fine. There may, be, there may be some things. <laughs> what I'm trying to do in my life is attack the argument without letting hate and anger overwhelm me so that I, I lose the plot, mm. right? Particularly such that I lose what we're called to do. When the okay, f- I'll carry the hate for the show from now on. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you know, God soft, everybody. I'm going to, it's fine. I'll, I'll spit fire and brimstone. And I'll do all the hating for both of us. I think that I can still make all the same points I've ever made. And, you know, honestly, I think if I listen back to everything I've said on this podcast, it's not quite as, outrageous as I may be making it sound. I got to a bad place in my head over the last 90 days where I was l- looking at too much conspiracy, looking at too much baseless allegation, finding myself believing dude again what 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 uh what uh Dan Crenshaw pointed out with regards to what happened that Wednesday. He said what happened was that good people were deceived into believing that if they were loud enough and angry enough, they could make a difference in the outcome of this election. And that was never, ever going to happen. Right. It brings me back to the deception thing, man. Trump deceived everybody all along the way. And that's all he's ever done, man. He was a con man since the day I was born. He was famous since I was a child for his shenanigans for cheating on his wife and having multiple marriages and for ripping off contractors. Right. And all the kinds of ways he would pull strings to get stuff done. By the time I was a teenager in the nineties, he was a punchline. He was a joke. Right. And then all of a sudden he was president and he used all the same tactics. I don't he had know always that you could used. say he was a joke or that he wasn't successful. I mean, he had the probably the most uh, widely popular well, I mean, do you know reality how he- TV show on TV for, I don't know, what, five years? Who knows? Sure. But do you know how he went bankrupt before that by, you know, well, you building? Know what? A lot of entrepreneurs have ups and downs. Okay. Well, either way, to your point, I'm contradicting myself because 
I'm contradicting that, myself because I'm painting him as one thing and he's not just one thing. You're right. No, and he also wasn't a bad president, in my opinion. He, his, his policy was fine. There was, he, he, he never did anything that I didn't agree with pol- policy-wise, by and large, you know, 80% of the time. And, and he put Americans first and foreign countries second, which I'm all for. So politically, I don't have a problem with him. The problem is he was an arrogant, pompous prick, and that alienated, alienated a lot of housewives, a lot of people, to be fair, and that's why he lost. Right. Yeah, well, I would say I don't disagree with what you just said, and that, that's a really a core point I'm trying to make, right, is that you can, you can and you must always weigh all aspects of a person, of an ideology, for that matter, of a system, of a tool, understand its strengths and identify its weaknesses. Right? You know what? I agree. I we, just we've said of, that. I, I, and it's weird how this conversation made me think of this, but I thought about our last president before Trump. And if you had to ask me, who would you rather sit down and have a beer with? I would choose Barack Obama. Yeah, you said that before. But, you know, who do I want to be my president? Not Barack Obama. So there you go. Yeah, well, right. So, like I said, I, I think I, I think we both said before we can agree with his policies and disagree with the way that he says stuff. I think. But you're sitting here saying he's just all he is is a con man, and I don't. I, I believe that he still cares about America and that he's you know. I don't. I don't think you can just sum him up. Like I said, just, he's I should. A con you, man. You're, I'll, I'll concede. You're right. I, one of the main tenets of what I'm trying to say here is that we can't sum anybody up with a sentence or especially a word. Right? He's not just a con man. Would you at least agree with me that part of who he is is a con man? Sure. Okay, cool. So that's what I'm getting at. I let myself get conned at the end of last year, particularly with regard to voter fraud and whatever else, right? And to the, and and honestly, to the I he drove me to this place where I was convinced that fully half of America wanted us to become communist. And they don't. I don't believe that. They may, but again, to the extent they're now open to it, it's because they've been misled, right? They've both been, they've been misled by the left and then they've been sort of driven that direction by the antics and toxicity of Trump, right? Mm-hmm. None of these things are singular causes. I'm not sitting here defending Obama or his legacy or you know, Bush's or, or, or you name it, right? They're all just people and they're all as equally flawed as they are virtuous right sure all i'm saying is i came to the realization that i had let myself slip to this point where i had identified the enemy but worse yet i hated them and i thought they were themselves evil but getting back to that point i'm now realizing it's not them that is evil they've they've left this void in their soul and Satan has deceived them into thinking that their cause is fully righteous or their approach is fully righteous, right? And they're not willing to sit down and talk to us. I've said so many times on this podcast, leftism, and I'll go so far as to say Marxism, has its place in the dialogue of this country because what they point out is oppression, pain, and suffering. We should continue to take that approach and argue with them that their approach to solving it sucks, but try to work together on a solution. 
But if we reach the point where we're like, you're just full of crap. There's no such thing as oppression. Everything is fine. Shut the fuck up. We're not going to get anywhere, man. Well, well, how would you? Because I, I doubt that all of our listeners are believers. Uh, how, how would you describe this to them? So they don't believe in God. And, you know, I think we both probably have family members that fall into that category. Uh, well, dude, I mean, that's why I said at the start of reading that passage that I hope even if you're not a believer, you can see the wisdom in this, man. I, I, you know, I, I know there are good people that don't believe in God that believe in love. I know there are. So if you can manage to love people, including your enemies, adversaries, and those you disagree with without God in your life, well, man, you're a better person than I am and more power to you. I don't know if I can do it, to be frankly. I don't know if I can like say, I love you, Nancy Pelosi. I might could say she's a human being and I hope that she doesn't die of a thousand paper cuts, right? <laughs> I don't want anything bad to happen to her per se. Um, but I don't know if I can go as far as say, yeah, I, I love her. I don't, I don't think I do. And I'm just gonna be honest and say, and maybe I need to work on that, but no, nah, I don't love Nancy Pelosi. I don't wish ill will on her. Like I don't hate, I'll put it like this. I don't hate her. I'm indifferent. I wish she was out of office and I never had to think about her again, but do I love her? Man. Uh, no, I do not. I hear you. I guess, you know, I guess you could say I love humanity and, and maybe that is a roundabout way of, of saying, okay, I guess I love Nancy Pelosi too, but, um, well, I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and like I said, preach any further or get all self-righteous. I'm just telling you that I've had a revelation. It doesn't change my belief on politics doesn't change where I stand on them, doesn't change how I'm going to vote, but the voting will be on principle, not on, not, not on a person. One of the things I do think about Trump, man, is that, 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 that there's a cult of personality here. And there was with Obama, too. Let me make sure that I make that clear. Uh, that dude was all had no cattle, but he was slick and people liked him and they thought he represented what they thought was right. Right. Well, I think but, by and large, I think for a lot of us, he did, like policy wise. So, you know, I, I I'll be frank. I, I'm, you know, I'm glad he's out of office. I just wish Biden wasn't in office. You know, that's kind of where I'm at on it. But I don't I, I don't see how we can sit here and say he was just so slick and a con man and this that and the other when you and I both agree with more of his policies than we disagree with. Like, I'm not, I'm not, I, it's like these athletes. Do I want, the, should they be a role model for my kids? Uh, no, I should be the role model for my kids. It, should the president be the role model for like what the average citizen looks up to? Clearly not because Bill Clinton was having sex in the Oval Office with people that weren't his wife. I mean, the list goes on and on. Uh, all of them were flawed. When I'm not looking at these presidents, like they have to be, I don't know. Maybe they should be held to in higher esteem, but but by and large, they never have been. A lot of them have been assholes. A lot of them. A lot of them have been unfaithful. Yeah, no, I know. I don't. So I don't. it sounds to me like you've had this flip on Trump, and and it, we've always known he was an asshole. So I don't. I really don't see what the big deal. Like I, I just. I don't know. I. I don't. I'm not coming at it from that angle. I guess I'm well, not understanding it. And yeah, I think uh, we're having a little bit of a disconnect again. I, I don't. I wouldn't say I've had a flip on Trump. 
that was my position on him from the day he rode down the golden escalator until about this time last year. Mm-hmm. Right. I could, I could acknowledge the good things he was doing, but also acknowledge that his way of doing it was causing more division. And I think you said the same thing 10 minutes ago, right? Sure. His way of doing it drove people away. Um, I, I, Absolutely, it did. I think there were lots of people, including myself, who said this dude could destroy the Republican Party. Thankfully, that doesn't seem to have been the case. I know we lost the Senate, but you know what? It, it's happened multiple times in you and I's lifetime. You know, up until, man, like the late 90s, Democrats had controlled the House of Representatives for like 30 years, dude. You know, I mean, it was a different Democratic Party back then, admittedly, but <clears throat> all I'm really trying to say is that we'll keep having the same conversation. I'm just going to try really hard to do so in a way where I can point out the fallacy in ideas, maybe get the, to the root of the evil that lies in them without demonizing the people. And that's not to defend those people, right? It's, it's not sure. to prop them up. I think that you could very plausibly make the argument that everybody in national American politics, damn near everybody, is corrupt to the core and not worth trusting any further than we can throw them. Right? Well, so, going back to what you said about you have your faith and your family, those are the only two things that you, and I'm sure your friends too, those are the only things that right. you know. My friends yeah, are real, better, right? Yeah, and that you 100% right. can trust. Right. I And what you just said about all the politicians out there. Yeah. And and the news and, you know, the me, and, and the media and, and social media. I mean, I maybe the maybe what I'm going to take away from this conversation is, yeah, maybe that maybe you're right about that. Yeah, that stuff's not good, man. Um, can it can it be can it be reworked and reoriented back towards good? God, I hope so. I pray so sincerely right but i know that continuing to ignore each other and 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 stand on higher ground that we any that any and i'm dude then this goes both ways man i trust me i i'm not saying that all the blame is on the right if anybody's heard that you're not hearing me or i'm not communicating clearly man the left is absolutely been for some time and this getting back to where we started this conversation this tech so big tech has proved it unequivocally they're not willing to have the conversation either but the same forces that drove them to not be willing to talk to us are driving us to not be willing to talk to them and vice versa well i, right? I don't know i've said I before know if Trump, that's trump's, totally trump's true. not i mean look at why look at why people won't ben, won't debate ben shapiro anymore it's because he destroys them with facts so i i'm gonna have to i'm gonna have to say right agree with that he destroys them with facts so what do they call him they call him a racist bigot homophobe and miraculously a a damn nazi when he in fact is a orthodox jew who wears a yarmulke that's my point right yeah they don't want to talk to him because he wrecks them and they don't want to have to confront said was that you know maybe the right deserves as much blame and i don't think they do in the battle of good and evil I, i i don't think you can say that uh you know the, the good side deserves as much blame as the bad side because I, I think that's a fallacy. Now, does the right deserve some blame? Yes, but I don't think you can say it's it's, it's half. No way in hell. 
So I went to this training in Philadelphia uh, for work a few years ago. It was like a leadership training course, a week long deal. And at some point during that training, they were talking about the dynamics of a relationship and how two people, the whole thing was to like, to, to, to enroll people in a cause, right. To, to learn how to build a team around a consensus, right. To get people onto, on, on the same page. And that all starts with relationships, right? Nobody's going to trust you. Getting back to your point about family and friends, nobody's going to trust you if you haven't built a relationship with them to establish that trust and vice versa, right? You're not going to trust anybody that you don't have a relationship with. We might say, I'll trust you until you give me a reason not to, but not the same way I trust you or you trust me, right? No stranger is going to walk into my life and I'm going to trust that I could go on a mountainside and they're going to have my back and pick me up when I need them to, right? But I know I trust you that way. Right. So they made the point. We like to say any relationship is a 50-50 partnership. And they said, if you're only going 50% of the way, you're never going to meet. Every partnership is a 100-100 partnership. You have to be willing to go 100% of the way. And they have to be able to meet you. They have to be willing to come to you 100% of the way. Then you have a partnership. You have a real meeting of the minds, right? Jocko Willink says the same thing. Think about it in that context, right? Navy SEAL platoon. Anybody in that platoon who's now willing to die for every one of their platoon mates doesn't make it out of buds. Hmm. I don't know if I have anything else to say, actually. I'm going to leave it at that. Okay. Well, certainly an interesting conversation. One Usually, I think you and I are coming at it from the same place. And uh, so more, I guess... I don't know, I guess you call it disagreeing or differing opinions uh, on this one than in previous episodes, but that's healthy. That's a good thing. That's what we're talking about, right? Uh, Dude, if you think back, it was exactly what this thing was supposed to be, Yeah. <laughs> right? I mean, the whole point for those that maybe, I think maybe we touched on it, but if we haven't, when we came up with this idea four years ago to have a podcast together and it had a whole different premise at the time, we'll probably explore some more of that as we go forward. Uh, one of the things we had talked specifically about was the fact that dialogue in this country, debate, had broken down. Cable and I disagree on silly, uh, silly and serious stuff like today all the time, dude. All that we do, like we, we disagree all the time about everything from high fence hunting to, oh, well, you know, this. Yeah. And you're still one of the very best friends I'll ever have or ever will have. Of course. And that that's why we started that's that was part of the rationale for the phrase justified pursuit having a dialogue to come to understanding is a justified pursuit in and of itself yeah so for as far as that goes i think this might be the best conversation we've had on the internet so far well and i will see absolutely still love you if you go soft on me so don't you worry about that (laughs) i've not gone soft man (laughs) unless you consider trying to love every my neighbors all of them regardless of their opinions soft i don't consider it soft right um well i had some other stuff i wanted to get to but we'll just have to uh we'll have to get to it next time uh you know i will just um leave this little snippet here and y'all can look forward to this uh, for episode 19 because i'm certainly looking forward to it having reviewed 1984 chisholm um i was watching 
uh, I think it was Glenn Beck. It, someone had sent me, um, my neighbor who listens to the show sent me a clip and you could say, Hey, you know, that's the media. So can you even know if it's true? Well, yes, it is true. I did the research and he has a book. What is the book written by Booker T. Washington? Um, but anyway, he has an, like a copy from 40 years ago. He has a copy from 10 years ago and he has a, a digital copy that was released like a couple months ago. And it went from, this is a, uh, a work of truth into 10 years ago, this could be fiction, we don't really know, into the digital copy that he just got saying this is a work of fiction. So the rewriting of history is happening as far as literature is concerned, Chisholm. That's a big part of 1984, and that's something that I want to focus on. And, and he's advising everyone to buy uh, the the actual hard copies of the book and, and store those away because at some point in time, that's all that there's going to be uh, that, that you can actually know what is true or not. So, yeah, uh, just to clarify one thing that sounds fascinating. I think uh, I, I don't want to check it out. Uh, and I've become a new newfound Glenn Beck fan, but again, um, my assessment of 1984 still stands. Um, my position against leftism still stands, right? Yeah. All I'm going to work on is figuring out a way to talk such that those people might might be willing to hear and listen because my hope is they'll offer me the same grace. Yeah. Because otherwise we're just talking to each other about <laughs> stuff we agree with. We're just we're separate not, but equal. Process. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So anyway, two plus two is not five, everybody. Y'all take your red pills, and uh, <laughs> we'll do it again next week. Uh, Chisholm, always a pleasure, my friend. Awesome. Peace, love, America. Y'all take it easy. Maybe it's time we got back to the basics of love. Let's go to Lincoln, Texas, Wailing and Wailing. This successful life we're living got us feuding like the Hatfields and McCoy.